Welcome to the Cross Current Radio Show, your spiritual speaker's corner, broadcast and podcast. Transhumanism. Heard of it? It's a growing philosophical movement among leading entrepreneurs, scientists, artists, politicians, and futurists. If you can believe it, these cultural kingpins are actually putting their faith in the future of humanity, living in what they're calling a post-human world. In this fascinating and frightening series, we'll first be in the studio to hear from Dr. David Herbert, author of Becoming God and an expert on the topic of transhumanism. And then, as always, we'll also take the truth from the studio to the street to hear what you have to say on the subject. Finally, we'll open God's Word together to reinforce the foundational biblical truth that our unfailing hope of immortality is found only in Jesus Christ. And now, let's join TCC radio host Corey McKenna in the studio. Hi, I'm Corey McKenna. Welcome to the Cross Current Radio Show and our special series called Becoming God on the subject of transhumanism. Now, if you're already asking trans who, hang tight, because we have an expert in the studio with us to help define our terms and our trajectory for this series. David Herbert is a retired elementary and secondary school teacher who received his BA from Western University, his MA from Wheaton College, his MDiv from Heritage Seminary, and both his master's and doctoral degrees in education from the University of Toronto. David is a dear friend of mine and a faithful partner in the gospel with the Cross Current. Welcome to the program, David. It's good to be here. Now, It's been my personal experience that resources are a powerful way to make and multiply disciples in Christ, and that's why I'll be making mention of David's book several times throughout this series. The full title is Becoming God, Transhumanism, and the Quest for Cybernetic Immortality, and it can be ordered online at joshuapress.com. Okay, David, help us here. What in the world is transhumanism? Well, transhumanism is a a belief that uh, in time, uh, man can become merged with technology. Uh, There's really a three-part step here, humanity, transhumanism, and then the ultimate would be posthumanism. One of my greatest concerns is that um, this will be the greatest threat the church will have to to face. Uh, As we look around and we see the advancement in technology, uh, especially within our, our young folks, and uh, so this, we're already, I see, in this whole um, transhumanist mode at the present time. Well, so we're, we're obviously talking about a whole overhaul in culture and the way culture thinks. And speaking of culture, let's press pause in the studio for just a few minutes because we took this fascinating subject to the streets to hear what everyday Canadians had to say. In the studio and on the street with the Cross Current Radio Show. We're doing this uh, series called Becoming God. It's on a, a book by David Herbert. And uh, the first question I just want to ask you, are you re- would you consider yourself to be religious in any way? Uh, somewhat. I was raised Catholic until I was about 13 when I branched out of it, sort of. My family was kind of uh, a little heavier than I thought I'd, you know, thought I'd be with the whole religion, religion thing. So I kind of backed off with it and went my own way. Now I 
it's kind of up in the air. Okay, would you say, Connor, that you believe in God? Yeah. Cool, good. So are you familiar with the topic of transhumanism? Is that a new one to you? And, and Haven't heard of it. Haven't heard of it. Never heard of it. Okay, let me just give you a sort of a short definition of what this is. Transhumanism is an international movement which desires to use science and technology to improve improve human mental and physical capabilities. So its long-term goal would be to provide the necessary enhancements in order to eliminate diseases, uh, disabilities, aging, and eventually death. So what we're getting at here is an individual uh, re-engineered through the process of transhumanism would be regarded as post-human or a cyborg. You heard of a cyborg? Yeah. So re-engineered as in like physical physical manipulation? Like yeah, we're talking about technology sort of uh, applied to your body to the place yeah. eventually that you become a cyborg, i.e. you're a post-human that lives forever. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's immortality through technology. Yeah, I understand the idea. Yeah. Okay, okay. What, what, initial thoughts on that? Uh, it's scary in a sense that, you know, it could be used for, you know, deceptive ways or wrongful things, but, you know, it could be a great thing for humanity and as a whole, in my opinion. Cool, good, okay. So what would you do, Connor, if the opportunity of receiving a brain chip implant was offered to you in order to improve your mental and physical capabilities? So it's expected that this enhancement could substantially improve your academic performance, right? So maybe advance in, in school, in your career, or whatever. And this procedure would necessitate a reconfiguration of your brain, though. If I had some sort of disability or something like that, then I might be... Yeah, it's substantially more inclined to doing something like that. So would you draw a moral distinction between, say, uh, therapy and, say, enhancement? Yes. Okay, cool. That's cool. So now, do you believe that the transhumanist goal of ultimately eliminating death is possible? So do you strongly agree that they could do that? You agree? You have no opinion? Oh, you I disagree? disagree? I don't think that we could ever per like permanently be living, but in a computer or something like that where we're, all our memories were, you know downloaded or something like that then that's possible but from there on if it were to you know be like ai human intelligence past human intelligence then that wouldn't be us anymore interesting okay so you're you're, you're making sort of a a, a a distinction between the material and the immaterial so you obviously believe yeah. we have a soul yes okay okay so as a as a religious guy you would say that now transhumanists you might find this interesting they're convinced that in 2045 technology will be so advanced that they can actually enter the next step of existence post-human or post-humanism in the event that they should die before 2045 transhumanists have arranged to be cryopreserved or frozen so presently the cost this is totally true the cost for such procedure is is if you get your head only that's neural hundred thousand dollars or your whole body is two hundred thousand dollars now would you ever have your head or body cryo preserved for future consideration if i had the money i might yeah <laughs> no, that's interesting that sounds a little different than what you said yeah. before why would you do that well what would be your motivation then? it it would uh it would all depend on what they would you know what the intents would be with it afterwards and if it would be necessarily for just uh joyful use you know what i mean if families memories that sort of thing then you know, or for uh, maybe if there was a crime scene that, you know, I might have been a witness to, that sort of thing, then they could look back into it. But I wouldn't feel just in going any farther. Okay, okay, that's fair. So now we're obviously talking the, the sort of the broad category here. People are afraid to die. This is what we're sort of getting at. People don't want to die. People want to live forever. Now, in your view, your, your, your faith perspective, what do you believe happens when someone dies? Do you believe, you know, heaven, purgatory in heaven, reincarnation? Oh, I really have no idea, and I couldn't... I couldn't give you a just answer. So now, so do you have a formal worldview then? Would you say you're Christian? Would you say you said you were Catholic before? Well, what what would Catholic you be now? Raised, but I mean, as far as I go, I'd say I'm atheist on paper. You're 
atheist on paper, so that means no God, but yet earlier you said you believe in God, which is it? It, <laughs> it's a very difficult question, and I mean, you would have a lot of people would say the same thing. I mean, I do believe there is a God, yes, but I'm not one to follow or believe that praying or anything like that will do it, make any difference. I mean, I believe that we could have the power in the future if there was a God and He created us. We could have a, pu a power in the future to undermine Him or overpower Him if we did something like that with computers or you know, AI intelligence. So I wouldn't. Now you said you said that you were uh, you were open-minded. Did you mean that? Yes. <laughs> okay, so I'm a Christian. That, that doesn't get up your nose. No, not at all. Okay. So can I tell you the Christian response to the question of the afterlife? Because really, this is what everyone's wondering: what happens when we die? Mm -hmm. I'll just tell you that real quick. So it actually says in Scripture that you are created by God. It even says that everyone knows God exists, but what we do, Connor, is we suppress that truth. It says in unrighteousness. So what it means is we looked up to the sun, moon, and stars. Creation declares, heaven declares, heavens declare the glory of God. And what we do is we know God exists, but we, we sort of ignore God. We sort of turn our back on God. We go our own oh, way. true on a day-to-day -day basis, yeah. Yeah, day-to-day -day basis. So we can even sort of see the, the exposure points of that when we think of more moral things. I mean, uh, you're a guy who's probably lied. You've probably stolen, <laughs> right? You've probably lusted. You, you God's name in vain. You've done all those things. <laughs> Probably, yeah. yeah. So God's wired you with a conscience, but what you and I do is we violate our conscience. We go against our God-given conscience, and we sort of go the other way. And what, what, what's really unfortunate about that is you and I have been, ha have been commanded by God to imitate him. It says be imitators of God. But when we do those things, it's bad enough that when you steal, you take th something from someone else. But what's worse is when I steal as one who's made in God's image, called to uh, imitate God, I actually make God look like a thief because I'm not imitating him accurately. Do you understand that? Yes, I understand and that. That's, and that's really bad because yeah. so the sin really is more of, a, uh, more of a vertical one than a horizontal one. Do you understand that? Yeah, I do actually, yeah. So, so this is why it says in Scripture it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God because every time you sin against God, like I have, I've done that lots, I violate my conscience and I'm storing up punishment for myself that when God demands divine justice then I'm going to be held accountable I mean everything you've thought everything you've spoken every desire of your heart God has recorded those things he's got the the goods on those things so when you die and stand before God he will judge you and obviously if you know if you if you break a law you have to pay pay some sort of fine yes you know what's wrong do I yeah you've done that well in the past yeah, yeah I try everybody does it every day but on a minimal way, I don't see a harm in it. The question is not whether you lie, because I know you do. The question is, what is the authority of the one to whom you lie? And God has, you've lied to God. So again, the authority gets very, very uh, supreme quickly. You well, see that? I myself necessarily haven't lied to God in a way. I follow a trustful way with him. And I mean, Catholics repent for their sins and I so, paid for my crimes. <laughs> so if God says that he, not only does he exist, but everyone knows he exists, and you just told me a few minutes ago that you don't believe, you're an atheist, you don't believe God exists, is that not lying to God by going against his word? Well, in a way, yeah, but I mean, as I've grown, I've come to respect God in a different way, and I've realized that it might not be in the image of everybody, or in the way that most people see it today. Okay. Now, would, would it concern you that if God gave you justice, Connor, you wouldn't be headed to an eternity with him and, and, and enjoying him forever, but you'd be very much headed to an eternity under his condemnation in a place called hell. Like, would that even give you one sleepless night? Well, I believe it's all up to him, and I'm not even sure there is such a place as hell or heaven in, in that sense. I believe that, you know, 
it's really, it's all up in the air, you know, you can't really bother yourself with these questions. You have to keep living your lives day to day and, you know, trust in what God has planned for you. The good, the good thing is, is God has given us clarity. I mean, if he made us and he loves us and he does, we would hope that he would give us some some insight into these big life questions, and he has. He said decisively that there is a heaven, there is a hell. But here's, here's the best news of all, and let me assure you of this. If you, don't, if, if you don't think this is the best news you've ever heard, you can be sure you haven't understood it. Here it is. God, in his great mercy and love, he steps into his own creation in the person of Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. Jesus lives his perfect life, as God and man in one, God and man, he goes to a cross, he dies the death required as payment for sin, he becomes a ransom for many, he says. He says, it is finished, he dies in my place on the cross, he takes on my sin, my, my justice in himself, he comes back from the dead, he defeats death, and now he's saying, Connor, you can come to be with me for all eternity if, if you will humble yourself, you will repent of your sin, you'll turn away from that, and you'll put your faith in Christ, you, you won't pay for your own sins because he will pay for them. If you reject the him and this message, God will have justice, and that's what hell's for. But that's the good news of the gospel, dude. But you've been kind to talk. I think David has something for you. Thanks for talking, man. Appreciate it, Connor. Thank you. That's okay. Hi, I'm Corey McKenna, president of The Cross Current. We all know that Canada needs Christ, yet how are the lost to believe in him of whom they have never heard? That's why we're asking like-minded Christ followers in Canada, will you help here at home with the cross current? Thanks to ministry partners like you, we were able to raise the minimum support necessary to send me into the field full-time on July 1st. But to launch a new online training platform and release a new radio program to reach more youth and young adults for Christ, we need your support. As you pray for us, would you consider sowing into our ministry and then go to helphear.ca. That's H-E-L-P-H-E-A-R dot C-A and give. We thank God for you and your partnership in His gospel. Personal. Uh. Let's get personal. Uh. And make sharing your faith a part of every day. Welcome to Let's Get Personal, a 60 second sample of personal witness training with the Cross Current. Christian, do you know that all conversations and confrontations about your faith come down to competing claims of authority? Like, who says? Well, because Jesus says that he has all authority, why not share Christ in his word as your source of authority and then compare theirs to him? That way, it's never you and your word that get the glory, but Jesus and his. And that's just a glimpse of how TCC can help you and your church normalize sharing Christ in all your personal relationships. Personal. For more uh. personal witness center training, visit thecrosscurrent.com. Immortality through technology? Possible? Transhumanists say so. What would you do if the opportunity of receiving a brain chip implant was offered to you? If I had some sort of disability or something like that, then I might be substantially more inclined. Transhumanists have arranged to be cryopreserved or frozen. Would you ever have your head or body cryopreserved? If I had the money, I might, yeah. Absolutely not. So what do you think happens to people after they die? Uh, I think you become worm food. <laughs> Tune in to the Outreach Radio Show that's really got people talking. Becoming God on the Cross Current Radio Show.
Hello, this is Paul Washer, and you're listening to the Cross Current Radio Show. Welcome back to the studio of TCC Radio. With me is David Herbert, author of the book, Becoming God, Transhumanism, and the Quest for Cybernetic Immortality. And you can order this resource online at joshuapress.com. Okay, David, we both talked to lots of people on the streets about this subject, and it seems that it's a new concept for many, if not most. You're a historian, so give us the background sketch to the transhumanist movement. Well, we are the grandchildren of the Enlightenment, I'm thinking the 17th, 18th century. And this is where this topic begins. Here we have the um, ascendance of reason. And, uh, of course, when we think in terms of reason, uh, it developed, and uh, from it really developed two streams. Uh, one is humanism, with the we don't need God. The second, which is very, very important, that is Darwinian evolutionism. And so as we uh, track through the uh, 19th century, both humanism and evolution, evolutionism became very prominent. And by the time we came to the 1990s, we then have the emergence of transhumanism. It's interesting, as I've been doing some uh, research, one of the things that's coming to the fore now is the whole idea of mapping the mind. From 1990 to 2003, we mapped the human genome, and the last frontier is the mind. And so both uh, in the Western world, whether it be, say, United States or in Europe, there's tremendous resources, billions of dollars going into the, the, the last frontier. That's the mapping of the mind. Now, I've heard again uh, that last frontier concept quite a bit. Um, can you just sort of unpack that a little bit? What do they mean by the, the mind being the last frontier as it, as it applies to the subject? Well, when you think in terms of um, moving to the, the ultimate, the post-human stage, and the, the mind, which what... Uh, in sort of encapsulates uh, our being, our memories, our intelligence. Uh, these are the things that um, a transhumanist wants to preserve um, as they're moving to this last, last stage. So uh, the body, they feel, um, is disposable. But as far as the mind is concerned, uh, this is really the, the totality of a personality. So this has to be preserved. And so that's why, for example, as I said, it's the last frontier. Once they have mapped the mind, then they believe the next stage is, is intimate. And it's interesting that uh, they do have a date. It's called 2045. It's called the singularity, when we move from being um, human, transhuman, to posthuman. David, I must say that I found the index of your book very helpful uh, for tracking with not only the timeline of the movement, but also its sort of philosophical and religious evolution. Now, in the index, we read first about the triumph of reason. Um, then we move to religious humanism, being religious without God. Next, we have secular humanism, being good without God and religion, followed by transhumanism, which we're talking about, becoming God, which again is the title of your book. If you're just joining us, we're in the studio with Dr. David Herbert, author of the book, Becoming God, Transhumanism and the Quest for Cybernetic Immortality. Now, David, as we start wrapping up this first of four episodes in this series, maybe you can share with our listeners the core doctrines of transhumanism, and I use that word doctrine very intentionally. What are their basic 
beliefs in this system? Well, the first one, as we talked about from a historical point of view, humanism or atheism. Um, by definition, transhumanists do not believe there's any God. Along with that, of course, they're very committed to the concept of evolutionism. Um, they believe that, uh, of course, evolutionism is the, um, our beginning, and uh, what they want to do is to be able to control this um, evolution. As we look at evolution, and uh, we can see its, its weaknesses, especially within humanity, um, sickness, and certainly the whole question of death. Also, transhumanists, as we look at the human body, they see that we lack uh, that spiritual dimension. Basically, what we are is information. And if that is the case then, I mean, this goes to the, the core of the issue, then all we need to do is to take this information and then transfer it into some type of computerized um, substrate. So just to just sort of try to track with that, um, I'm just hearing as you as you tee up these basic beliefs, uh, evolutionism. I mean, this this is so reminiscent of right back to Genesis three, autonomy. We want to be autonomous. That's a law unto ourselves. We want to self determine right from wrong, our destiny, our direction, and all those things. And obviously, evolution. So what you're saying is really this is a this is a way transhumanists believe this is a way that they can expedite the process of evolution. It's just too slow. It's, just, it's not going quick enough here. We want to become um, the fittest, survival of the fittest, and we want to do that through technology? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. We want to become the master of our own uh, destiny. Um, certainly, um, we, we want to remove God. And then along with that, of course, is the fear of death. The fear of death, which is very, very scriptural. I mean, we read in Hebrews 2 that all people have a fear of death. So, But the sounds of it, um, the, the transhumanists believe that they can, again, live forever. And in this post-human state, I'm, I'm sure our listeners are wondering, would they be alive in that state of technology? It's kind of, a, it's kind of an, an odd concept to try to, to wrap your head around. Well, obviously we haven't, we've never done this before, and there are certainly a lot of thoughts as to um, how we're going to be um, alive or what kind of form we're going to have in uh, the uh, posthumous um, point of view. We don't know. Uh, I guess until uh, 2045, when we, we have the technology will be so advanced, uh, we know, we, what we do know is what they think anyways, that there will be the merging together about technology and humanity. Now, how that's going to be expressed, um, we just don't know. And I think just for just a, a little press pause here, for, for, for those of you who are listening who are followers of Christ, what's really key in all this is that transhumanists do not believe in a spiritual component. They are, you might call materialists, they, they purely believe that, that we are devoid of any uh, sort of spirituality. So if we're just molecules in motion, if we're just molecules bouncing around, then they believe they can control those molecules to some degree, and they can inject information and other material things in our bodies in order to become healthier and, and, and more fit and ultimately uh, immortal. And this is sounding crazy, but it, again, is, is that Based on your research, David, is that really the world view of this movement? Absolutely. I think you've uh, uh, touched the, the core of it, is that uh, if we can control death and gain immortality, then we've become God. We become God. Now, you've titled your book, Becoming God. I'm guessing that's just not a, an accident. Um, maybe you can just really 
briefly help us understand why did you call the book that? Now, I, I think we're, we're hearing, uh, hearing the title and just the concept, but why did you call the book Becoming God? Well, that is the ultimate goal. I mean, when you can eliminate death, and that's the goal, then you have become God. Well, speaking of God, the one true God, that is, what's most important over these next four episodes of TCC Radio is that we'll be opening up God's Word together to reinforce and really rejoice in the true source of our immortality, Jesus Christ. Because as Christians, we know that Christ is our Creator. Christ is our life, and Christ is our resurrection. And that's truly good news for all those who are in Christ. So a little, little sidebar there. Well, David, before we sign off, why don't you uh, tee up for us the main point we'll be covering in part two of this series? Maybe give us a little bit of a uh, kind of a, a sneak peek at, at what that's going to entail. Well, the next section we're going to be dealing with Ray Kurzweil. Um, when you think in terms of the leading transhumanists, um, this is the person that we'll be talking about. About Ray Kurzweil. Now, uh, some of you may be, uh, may be thinking, I think I've heard that name before. Ray Kurzweil, uh, we know, is he's a, not only a leading advocate and authority in the transhumanist movement, but Ray Kurzweil is a brilliant man who has, uh, who has accomplished many, many things in the world of technology and a futurist. And uh, so I'm sure some of you who are listening now will be hitting Wikipedia <laughs> and uh, be, uh, be researching on uh, who is this Ray Kurzweil. So, so sort of a quick summary, David, as far as what we've covered. Uh, in this first episode, uh, maybe you can just give us the sort of that, that thumbnail sketch of, of the ground that we've uh, we've covered this time. Well, I think we looked at the sort of historical foundations of um, transhumanism and how it relates relates back to the Enlightenment and up to the present. I think the important thing is that uh, this is going to be um, a threat to our church, and so we uh, we need to be aware of this. Um, our leadership needs to um, take hold of this thought, and uh, from that point of view, um, it, it certainly has tremendous uh, theological implication with the Church of Jesus Christ. Now, I know some of you Christians listening may be thinking, how in the world is this going to impact the Church? It doesn't seem to really to come to bear on my Bible reading or my my prayer time or even my church services. Well, you're going to need to stay tuned for the rest of this series because uh, you're going to be very, very probably surprised at, uh, at really the extent of this movement and, uh, and what, it is, uh, what it is intending to do uh, in our culture. Uh, well, thanks again for being with us, David, and a very special thanks to all of you, our listeners, for listening. Uh, please visit us online at tccradio.com where you'll find our podcast and also several more street interviews with average, everyday Canadians on this topic of transhumanism. Until next time, I'm Corey McKenna, in the studio and on the street, keeping the cross-current in our culture. Hi, I'm Corey McKenna, president of The Cross Current. Will you help hear H-E-A-R at home with us? Thanks to ministry partners like you, we were able to send me into the field full-time on July 1st. But to equip more Christians online and to engage more non-Christians on air, we need your support. To learn how to pray, give, and go with us 
visit helphear.ca. That's H-E-L-P-H-E-A-R dot C-A. We thank God for you and your partnership in His gospel.